Welcome to the Community Caregivers Connected Podcast, where we talk about how to raise healthy kids. In this series, we'll tackle every topic from substance use to mental health and relationships. In these episodes, we'll hear from a group of professionals, parents, and youth. Questions or topic ideas can be submitted on our website at spokaneprevention.com. You're listening to the Community Caregivers Connected podcast. We're the Spokane County Prevention Team, sitting down with parents, professionals, youth, and others in Spokane to talk about how we can raise healthy kids and empower our community. This week, we have a dynamic group of individuals who will shed some light on the opioid epidemic in our country and in Spokane. Some of the topics we will be discussing today could be triggering or distressing. If you have any questions or concerns, please reach out to us at spokaneprevention at gmail.com. If you or someone close to you needs help for a substance use disorder, talk to your doctor or call SAMHSA's National Helpline at 1-800-662-HELP or go to SAMHSA's Behavioral Health Treatment Services locator online. For more information, you can also visit getthefactsrx.com to start the conversation. You too can make a difference in preventing opioid misuse. This week, I had the pleasure of talking to Brittany Campbell about her own experience with opioids and her experience as a parent. Welcome back to the Community Caregivers Connected podcast. This is Kirsten Fuchs, and I'm here with Brittany Campbell. Brittany, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, As you mentioned, my name is Brittany Campbell and I have the privilege of serving as the Director of Student Support Services at Northeast Washington Educational Service District 101. So in our world and in our work, we talk a lot about kids who are struggling for a variety of different reasons. It could be with their mental health, it could be with substance use, uh, it could be for a multitude of reasons. And so this topic is near and dear to my heart, um, professionally and personally. Thanks, Brittany. Um, so I guess we'll just launch into some questions. So um, uh, you just kind of uh, mentioned why you feel the need to talk to, about this, but do you want to elaborate on why and why you find um, this topic about opioids so important to you? Yeah, absolutely. The topic of opioid prevention is one that might be more personal than professional for me. Um, so I, I grew up in Spokane County and I grew up as an at-risk youth. Um, I had good parents, but they were lacking in skills and they were struggling with their own stuff. And so I had many opportunities as a young person to um, get myself into what could have been a lot deeper trouble than ultimately how it played out for me. Um, I saw many of my friends going down not good paths. And to this day, several of them have stayed on that track where they're just in that grip of drug addiction and they can't get out of it. They are in the cycle of, you know, CPS having their kids. Um, And that could have been me. That could have easily been me. And for me, the, the point about opioid prevention is that it, it's so easy to accidentally slip into that world that you don't even realize it. 
So I'll share a little bit about that. Um, when I was young, I, I was 13, 14 years old, I had had a, a dental surgery. And at this point, I was not experimenting with substances. Um, and I had the dental surgery, I was prescribed hydrocodone, which is pretty typical. And my mom did not really understand that um, hydrocodone was so addictive. She didn't understand, um, you know, all of the, the ways that she could have put some prevention efforts in place so that maybe I would have been safer, right? Maybe I would have had an opportunity to make better choices. But long story short, what I realized in, in that experience is I, I was taking those because my dentist had prescribed them to me. I, I'd had, you know, some, some teeth work done and I was in some pain, but that pain could have been mitigated with ibuprofen and Tylenol, if I'm being honest. And if I'm being honest, the first time I took that pill, it was like something changed in my body that I, I, I can still to this day remember. Um, where it was like, oh, this is different. I like this. Um, I don't care as much about all of the moving pieces of my life and, and what are the problems that might be going on in my own personal world. It was an escape that I didn't before that time know about. I didn't know about using substances to escape the world. And for me, it was a small step in what ended up being a pretty significant spiral in my life. And I continue to be so grateful for all the protective factors that saved me and got me to where I am today. And to be able to be a success story, to be able to work on how do you, how do you help parents like my mom who didn't know, right? Who didn't know that she maybe needed to keep those, those meds um, on hand on her self, that she should be doling those out to me and not kind of letting me take them carte blanche, right? That those should have been locked up, that maybe I didn't even need them to begin with, right? That maybe, maybe my pain wasn't that bad. So there were all of these pieces that really she innocently didn't know, um, but that could have prevented a lot of bad things. Fast forward, I, I'm now a mom. Um, I have a 16 year old, I have an almost 10 year old, a nine year old and an almost eight year old. And I look at these kids and I, I definitely do not want them to have the same experiences that I had. I worry about them. Um, every time that we go to the doctor and there's a, a dental thing, right. Or, or my daughter's had some, some hospital stays that she's had to have some pain medication and it's something that I, I monitor regularly and, um, and I'm pretty hypervigilant about uh, because there is so much addiction in our family. Um, there's, there's so much addiction in this world, right? That's, that's not something that, um, that any population has the cornerstone on. And I think it's this insidious disease that just kind of infiltrates so many of our families. And it's this unspoken talk topic that we don't talk about but that affects so many of our kids and so many of our adults. And so for me, that's, there's, there's many professional reasons that I am here, right? It's, it's a part of my daily work. 
It's a part of um, the daily work of those that I support who are boots on the ground in the community and in the schools who are serving our kids who are struggling with their own substance use addictions and that of their parents. But I've also walked that journey. And that's probably the biggest reason why I'm here is because it's so preventable and it's so easy to put some steps in place as parents, as caregivers, as uh, working professionals in the field so that we don't give our kids this opportunity to slip through those cracks. Um, thank you for sharing that, Brittany. I know that um, I'm sure a lot of people really resonate with that. Um, and a lot of people probably as parents resonate with, with that same experience. Um, do you have some specific examples of how parents you know, could advocate um, some things that you do as a parent or you had wished that your mom could do so we can give some like tangible um, action items, you know, for our, our people that are listening. Absolutely. And, and I will tell you that some of this I've learned as a professional and some of this has just been through experiences. So I, I don't... Um, I don't want to necessarily say that this is what everybody should do, but this is what I do. Um, and this is what I, th these are some small steps that I think make sense for, for everybody. So many of our coalitions and, and several other community partners are handing out prescription drug lock boxes. And I think that's a really powerful tool because it's not reasonable to never have medication in the house. Um, but probably medication should be monitored. And, and I'm not just talking about prescription medication. I'm also talking about Tylenol. I'm also talking about aspirin. You know, there are so many things that can go wrong if a kiddo inadvertently or on purpose takes too many of those. So having a way that you can actually safely store medication in your house makes sense to me. Uh, because there's just no reason to have it out on the counter. There's no reason to have it so easily accessible for everybody. And the other thing I would say is when you are in the doctor and they are getting ready to prescribe you something or kind of talking through that process, ask questions. Because what I have found is, and I don't think it's through any shortcomings of their own, except just being very busy medical providers, um, there's very little information that they tend to give to everybody. Now, you may have some, some exceptions to that, certainly, but by and large, I think that prescriptions are given and that the dangers of those prescriptions are not really carefully talked about with patients. So let's say you are in the dentist with your child, or maybe your child broke an arm, and the dentist or the doctor is saying, okay, we're going to prescribe some hydrocodone or whatever it is. Start asking some questions around, do you think that that medication is absolutely necessary for my child? Or is that something that we should just kind of keep on hand in case the pain gets too great, right? Where should we start with that medication? Should we start with ibuprofen and Tylenol and work our way up? Um, what do I do with my medication if I don't use it? or if I don't use all of it, ask the doctor those questions. Uh, and we do have areas around town where you can get rid of those medications safely. 
And so hopefully your provider is um, in the know about that. If he's not, uh, he or she is not, then I would definitely encourage you to get online and Google, uh, you know, safe prescription drug take back locations. They are all around the Spokane County area and in, in all of our surrounding counties as well. Um, so that's, that's readily available information that you can access on your own. I would ask the doctor, um, you know, let's say they gave you a, a, a pretty good amount, right? We're looking at maybe 30, 30 hydros. Maybe it's a, an ongoing pain issue that they're trying to um, give you some, some ability to, to manage. Talk through with the provider how to appropriately taper off that dosage, right? Um, you don't know how addiction is going to hit people. You don't know when addiction is going to hit people. And if your child is taking those meds, have open and honest conversations with them about their experience, right? Because your child could have some negative effects of that, or maybe they could be feeling like, you know, gosh, this feels pretty good. Kind of like I was. And the only way to know what their experience is with that substance is to have that open dialogue with your kiddo. Those are not easy dialogues to have because sometimes we get caught up in our adult brains about what to say. So just start with some, some really simple ones of, you know, this is a new medication for you. I want to, how are you feeling physically? Right? Is there anything that feels different for you physically? Is it, is it working on your pain um, or is it just making you kind of dopey? And how are you feeling mentally? Are you noticing some differences there? And just have your child kind of talk through those experiences with you. That not only makes them more aware of their own experience, but it also makes you aware so that you can kind of monitor that accordingly. Um, so those would be the main things that I would really reiterate to all parents is lock your meds up if you can, uh, make sure that you're getting rid of unused medications and that you're not just saving them for a rainy day, because ultimately that could be, um, that could be used for, for not good purposes. And we really want to prevent intentional or unintentional overdoses in all cases. So making sure that those medications are, are not lingering in your household unused and that you are asking good questions of doctors and asking good questions of your young people as they are starting to, you know, take those meds if that is prescribed to them. Um, and then I would always, always, always advocate for never encouraging a young person to take a prescription that was not prescribed to them. I know that there, you know, in, in different households, there's different norms uh, around, um, you know, social hosting of kids, drinking and things like that. Prescription drugs is something that you really cannot be giving to somebody who it wasn't prescribed for. You don't know how it's going to interact with them. And, and even as their parent, um, you know, that's, that's not a road you want to go down. So that would be my, my advice for parents and caregivers. Um, agree completely with all that advice. That's great advice. Um, I was thinking though, while you were talking, uh, what would you say to a parent who maybe is really struggling with having that conversation with their doctor? I've heard parents say like, yeah, like I really try to advocate with my doctor for, you know, ibuprofen and Tylenol combinations, but they just keep giving me the prescription or they keep just saying it's just in case. 
Um, or are they prescribed more because it's just in case my child has pain and, you know, as a parent, they don't want their child to be in pain. So how do they um, communicate? Do you have any like tips for how they could communicate that better to their doctor um, or even to help their child advocate more with their doctor? That's a really great question. And one that I can empathize with quite a bit because you know, there's just something about doctors where it feels like, you know, they're the expert and you really don't want to challenge them. Sometimes they can use big fancy language that feels above your head. Um, and I don't think they come at it from a place of malice, but again, they are kind of on that turnaround timeline where, you know, they're, they're here with you, but they've got a whole list of patients to go see after this. So they're kind of here for the highlights and trying to make sure that you have everything you need to get you out the door it's okay to slow them down and it's okay to ask questions. Um, because really at the end of the day, they put their pants on one leg at a time, just like the rest of us. And there are those of us who have had to advocate, uh, you know, for ourselves or for our kids. Um, so doctors are not always right. Uh, you know, they, they make really great judgments uh, and they do the best that they can but you are with your child day in and day out. You are their number one advocate. And sometimes there are things that they don't see because they, they're kind of looking at this big picture. They're feeling to really recognize the, the individual person right in front of them. Um, so sharing some things with them, like, did you know that we have addiction in our family? Would you necessarily prescribe that um, same amount knowing that, right? If there are people in the family who are even struggling with opioid addiction, if you're comfortable, share that um, and say, I'm worried. I'm worried about this. So can you help me understand why it's necessary? Um, and at the end of the day, just because you get the prescription doesn't mean you have to fill it. And so maybe the doctor gives you a prescription for this. This happened to me this last year where I, I had a kidney infection, probably could have used some pain medication, but it's a little bit of a, a triggering thing for me at this point. And I sure try to avoid it at all costs. So, um, so I, I had a prescription. I did not fill it. I knew that if I needed it, it was there but I was not going to go and actively seek that medication, nor was I willing to pay the copay for that medication that I did not have intentions of taking. Right. So, um, so those are some of my strategies is, you know, you don't have to be rude to ask questions and, and get the doctor to help you understand what they're trying to achieve. Um, you can give the doctor context and information about your own trepidations, and that's good information for them to have because they are only seeing you as the patient. They're not seeing you as this whole person that has all of these extenuating circumstances in their life. Uh, and, and again, just don't feel a need to, to fill a prescription for pain medication simply because it was prescribed, right? Wait till you are really sure you need it. We know these Walgreens are open 24 seven and maybe you're in a small town and maybe you're saying, yeah, Brittany, that's fine and good for you, but our pharmacy closes at seven. Okay. Give yourself a little bit of time, right? At the very beginning of things, you kind of can, can get a barometer of what's my pain like as, as you kind of are leaving the office and you're starting to make those judgments. So 
um, don't necessarily feel rushed into filling that prescription and making that choice. That's really good advice. And I think good tangible advice that uh, parents um, can have and translate easily to, to their children. Um, do you have any, anything else you want to add? Any other advice? Um, anything that's like weighing on you? Anything that like came to mind while we were, while we were talking? No, I, I would just really reiterate that uh, there is no, there's what to expect when you're expecting. And I think there's what to expect the first year. Um, there's newborns for dummies. I know because my one of my family members got it for me at one point, <laughs> my firstborn. Uh, but there's really not a whole lot of good roadmaps as to how to do this parenting thing. And sometimes I think we get so freaked out that we're going to do it wrong, that we don't do anything. And so the best thing I think you can do as a parent or a guardian is listen to your kids, ask good questions and be their advocate in the medical community. I like that. Um, just one more quick question while I'm thinking about this. You just said parent or guardian. And I realized earlier, I said just parents. Do you have a, like, is this advice something you think that anyone who's interacting with a child could easily do, like a grandparent raising, you know, um, their grandchild or I'm an aunt and I have uh, two uh, nephews and a niece um, and I, you know, try to talk to them as much as I can. Do you think this is information that I still, like, as an aunt can easily share with uh, with my my Certainly. I mean, I think that this is all, I, I would wonder who would disagree with this information, right? It's yeah. not like we're giving you any information that the medical community would disagree with either. Um, mm -hmm. I, I always am in favor of if you are not in that parent or guardian role that you're kind of checking in with parents uh, if, if you have that rapport and relationship with them and you feel it's safe to do so. But kids have different kinds of relationships with all kinds of trusted adults in their world. So for example, I have siblings who are much younger than me and um, I, have, I have these conversations with them because I don't know that our mother is. And, um, and that's okay, right? They have me and they have other people in their world and that's what helps them to form their worldview is, you know, not just one particular set of thoughts or, um, or ideas or suggestions, but kind of getting this uh, nice smoothie, if you will, of, of all the different good trusted adults in their world and getting those good little nuggets from um, individuals. I don't think it's a, a role that is only for parents and guardians. I think we all have a role to play in youth prevention. I agree completely. All right. Well, thank you for joining our podcast this week, Brittany. Um, we were just so happy to have you and to share, um, share your experience and share your experience as a parent. Um, and so, yeah, Thank you. Do you have anything else to add? Otherwise, we're just, we're going to let our audience uh, digest all this wonderful information and um, have them seek out some of the extra resources we have here at the end. That sounds great, Kirsten. And thank you so much for having me. I'm just so glad that you guys are doing this podcast. And this is really exciting uh, work to be a part of. Awesome. Thank you. And cut.
Bam. Bam. Podcast. Nailed it. Nailed it. Um, I can stop recording now. Um, Next week, we'll hear from myself and Jessica Deutsch as we talk to Tanya and Brandon Blyes about their experiences with opioids and how we can better advocate for our kids. The Community Caregivers Connected podcast is made possible with funding through the Washington State Healthcare Authority, drug-free community grant funds from the CDC, and new ESD 101. Questions or topic ideas can be submitted on our website at spokanprevention.com.